You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. 12.02 here on 3RRRFM. It is the afternoon. A uh, afternoon after a most pleasing, pleasing sound of rain with uh, 40 millimetres falling uh, around our state. Good for farmers. Good for the grass. As Digger said just before, who was in the studio, mm-hmm. it could save a lot of asses. Because he reckons if you don't water your plants now, they die during summer. Yeah, heads up, folks. So nature's just giving you a bit of a help. Like yeah, that. it has indeed. Uh, good afternoon to everyone. How are you all going? Thank you for joining us here on Sunday. It's lovely to see you. Are oh, you looking well? Matty, you're looking pretty good. You, uh, likewise, Cameron. Really? May I say? Oh, you're too kind. Too kind. I've just uh, lost the thing that says on today's show. There it is. Okay. Yes, uh, maybe looking good uh, organisationally. Hey, we're getting there. Um, wonderful for you to join us here today. A big thanks, actually, to the scientists um, talking about the dishwasher-sized object flying into space with great intellect, taking 10 years to get to where it is, and wow. I think I said before the show, that's a hell of a reverse park, isn't it? That you, sure is. You've got this thing, and it's half a billion <laughs> kilometres away, and you've just you've just nailed it. Mm. Mm. Sure have. Mm. You've passed your licence test with that one. Yes. Well, actually, maybe they, do, they shouldn't have parked it under that rock, but anyway, how can you work that out? <laughs> Landing on a thing shaped like a duck. Yeah. Uh, today's show, we uh, go to the Yarra Valley where Jose Chavez at uh, Oak Ridge Winery will be uh, just looking at the orders coming up on the board and saying, really, there's a guy from the radio that wants to talk to me? <laughs> well, he's going to take our call. And um, the reason we talk to Jose is, um, first of all, Oak Ridge Winery is a beautiful space. It really, really is. A great outlook on um, the fecundity around the place. Mm. Yeah, it's very, just nice. It'd be very nice today, too, after a bit of rain. It'd be very yeah, clean. Yeah. And Jose's a really, really great, uh, a sympathetic user of um, the ingredients around him, I think was the way that I described it, yes. which also match his employer's product, which is pretty much the reason why he's there, if you think about it. It's like, dude, <laughs> you better up. make sure you make this Chardonnay taste great. I, huh? think, I think you've nailed it, Cam. Ah. Yeah. Just do that, and we're cool. Yes. Um, but, yeah, he, look, he's, he's great. Great technique and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, we're going to ask him what he likes in his kitchen, what's going on. So we get the chef's eye view yes. of the uh, of the basket of goodies that um, are available from the state. Yes. Does that sound good? Thing? Yeah, I think it you does. Do you want to join us for yeah. that one? Yeah, that's going to be kind of good. And, um, and then we've got, uh, we've got a, a, a new contributor, don't we? We do, yes. Um, he popped his head in the door before. His name is Brad, and um, his name full name is uh, Brad Brad Giblin, and mm. I hope I've got that right. He'll mm. come in and maybe slap us around if we said it wrong. But uh, we've got a segment coming up looking at future technologies. Well, actually, forget the future, because the future is now. <laughs> so I couldn't resist that, folks. Um, but uh, in... Sp- uh, specifically, we're going to talk about 3D printing of food. Yes, that's kind of freaky, but... It is. This um, this new manufacturing technique, which is, uh, some say, the greatest paradigm shift since the Industrial Revolution. Mm. But, yeah, there you go. I'll just let that hang, huh? <laughs> yes. huh? How's that going as you having coffee? Um, <laughs> and then just to liven things up, we've got Feisty Bakash. Coming on, Michael Bakash. Yes, the uh, uh, owner and patron Bakash restaurant. Indeed, the uh, the great uh, pescatarian cooker. Yes, that's very. That doesn't mean that he's a fish cooking things. No, no, he's a great cooker of fish. Yes, um, and maybe one of the the people who best understand this gentle tender kind of protein and he holds an opinion on virtually uh, everything on virtually everything <laughs> but also the uh the potential changes to fishing restrictions in port phillip bay yes he's gonna have a go at that he will mm, so i will see how controversial he is yes but uh always good to have a chat to him and, and we just might also talk because we're coming into the warmer months where fish is um well it tends to increase in a lot of people's diets so it's we might on talk more it's on more plates in the hot zone, in the hot season isn't it nice mm. i like the way you mm. see that so anyway let's uh on today's show what do we got food quote for today we have one from orson wells born 1915 died way back in 1985 
and uh, we need to play that Finders ad again. Yes. We've done that for a long time, <laughs> yes. where uh, Orson destroys these two advertising executives who are directing him to do Finders. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. But he says, if there hadn't been women, we'd still be squatting in a cave eating raw meat because we made civilization in order to impress our girlfriends. And they tolerated it and let us go ahead and play with our toys. And speaking of toys, mm. um, Kelly Donati, um, academic from William Angles. Yes. Cool chick. Um, posted something on the Book of Face, which I was looking at for a microsecond. Yes. Uh, Amongst <laughs> all the sponsored ads and, and funny cat videos. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't look at um, Facebook much anymore. But um, No, actually, it was an email thing that caught my eye. Oh, I thought, right, yes. oh, yeah, Kelly's doing something. Better see what she's on about. And um, she highlighted a story that is happening, Dateline Toronto. Yes. Uh, New Kitchen Library. Let you borrow cooking tools. And this just seemed like a good idea. So I thought maybe we'll just um, give enough people an idea what's going on. And um, basically what it is is a place where you can go to uh, – well, it's not to borrow a book. It's like I'd like to uh, to borrow a chocolate fountain or a pasta maker for a few days. And um, it seems like a really, really good idea. Um, they've got an inventory that they say is large and rapidly growing. It currently includes bread makers, mm-hmm. ice cream makers, pasta makers, slow cookers, deep fryers, blenders, dehydrators. That would be a good thing to have. Sushi maker sets. Yeah. Cake pop makers. I don't know what the hell a cake pop maker is, but it's something a bit Canadian. Um, large coffee makers, panini presses, crepe makers, food mills, rice cookers, Food processors and more. Gizmos. No, no mention of a thermomix in no, there. No, that's yet. the one I asked about. Yeah, that's yeah. where we're going. Yeah, where's my thermomix or my 3D printer? But what a great idea that uh, the Torontons now have access to um, someone that would just lend them that sort of equipment. From, these, uh, from the great land of Canada. Yes. Sorry to quote a glorious, glorious leader doing a so proud, <laughs> so proud <laughs> talking to those G20. Stunning it made me proud stage. to be an Australian to see the soaring oratory <laughs> that our Prime Minister brought to this solemn occasion. God, he makes me proud. How did we get onto politics so quickly? I just had to say it because I've just been almost in tears about it. The... Uh, yes. Toronto. Uh, oh, Torontonians. Yes, yes. No, I think it's a great idea. And uh, we were wondering whether you could do something similar in Melbourne. Thank you for bringing me back from my digression. So yes, get, I think it's a, a, it's a great it. idea. And uh, Kelly Donati, thank you for bringing that to our attention. I don't know. Where does this go? Um, how, do, how do people do that? Maybe, well, look, there's some great libraries around. Maybe we need to approach them to see if um, something can be done in, yeah. in this regard. Yes. Because gizmos are expensive, you know. Well, yeah, and also I think the point that they're making was that uh, with the um, the lack of space in some kitchens in inner city, that um, yes. these sort of things make sense. And and actually, that was a, a reason put forward for why a thermomix can be a really valid thing it to is get. Very space efficient, in, isn't it? yeah, a yeah. space space efficient thing. And. Uh, what do we got today? Uh, today, oh, we found a saint. I thought we'd uh, mention this, and uh, we look back also to the scientist and say, scientists, you have your saint is on your side because it is Saint Albert the Great, patron of natural sciences and students. He was quite the uh, the thinker for his day. Apparently, he was from thirteenth uh, century. He he was uh, a Renaissance man before the Renaissance. I think. Yes. <laughs> full of, full of even well, they even thought about a Renaissance. <laughs> he oh, was there. Oh, this is what that means. Yeah, uh, uh, Renaissance. Uh, Twelve eleven here on three triple R F M. Uh, we're going to. Uh, Matt's going to organise something, and then we are going to go to the Yarra Valley. But before we do that, yes, Books for Cooks. I was just going to sprig a couple of things going on around town. So uh, Tim at Books for Cooks got in touch and said a couple of uh, cool events happening in the next couple of weeks. So Trays, Trays Cool. Trays Cool. I'd say Trays. On the 17th of November, uh, there's a Greg Maloof dinner to launch uh, Greg's new cookbook, and that's happening um, at Maloof Zoom Zoom in Carlton North. That's his brother. Uh, yes. That's his brother. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. 120 bucks will uh, get you a seat at the table and a signed copy of the book. That's actually a pretty good deal. That's a pretty I good deal. I would say to you. And um, you get, I think you get booze too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the following week, 24th of November, uh, there's a dinner at Mama Cita to celebrate the launch of Mexico, the cookbook. Mm. Uh, degustation menu and also on we've the got Sunday, those we've got one of those guys coming on the show next week oh excellent he said I'm pointing at you yeah there you go sorry yes. and on the same day a uh, very special dinner at the Builders Arms to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Australia's first cookbook and that was another um, rabbit 
Was it really? Mm. Um, details of Books for Cooks. Uh, go and check out some really cool stuff there. And we also just wanted to big up um, an event that's returned to Melbourne. Tell us about it, Matt. Uh, What's sec- going on? For the second year, and um, it's actually growing. It's a really cool event. It's the Night Noodle Market down yeah. there at Birurong Ma this time around. Yeah, tell the people. Uh, so for, I think it's between now and November 30, uh, you can head on down there after work. Um, and What's the date today? It's like a big. It's what's about the sixteenth. The sixteenth. So oh, great! It's there for a couple of weeks. And, and, and okay, the the people. The people. Yeah, I was like, okay, it was there are some, there's some reasonably heavy hitters setting up stalls down there. So mm. uh, new this year, we got Kong and Red Spice Row, Charlie Dumpling, Mr Miyagi, and then returning also from last year, uh, Chin Chin, Mamak, Izakaya, Den, Long Grain. I mean, it's really it's just a bit of a roll call of. Um, Melbourne's funky Asian eateries. And dare I say it, that it is, uh, entry is absolutely free. Yes. And not only that, you don't have to participate in any foreign currency to uh, to buy things. Seems like a good thing to me. It does. It's uh, putting that out there. Uh, 12.13 here on 3 Triple RFM. We're going to the Yarra Valley. Yes, that's right, folks. 12, uh, well, I will call it 12.15 here on 3 Triple RFM. You are listening to Eat It here. Uh, my name's Cam Smith. Across from me is Matt, who's uh, waiting on hold because we're uh, trying to get put through to the kitchen. Have they answered the phone yet? They have, yeah. Oh, good. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that. Pattern. So, all right, well, I'll, uh, by way of introduction, we are at Oak Ridge Estate, um, probably famous for its, uh, mostly for its, its Chardonnay, which is incredible. And um, Jose Chavez is there, or he will be, hopefully (laughs) soon, and uh, we'll get to speak to him once someone in the kitchen picks up. No, no kitchen picking up? I just thought I could have joined him. Oh, we got him. Good. Howdy. Jose Chavez, how are you, buddy? Very well, thank you. How are you? It's Cam here, and it's also Matt in the the background. Oh, how you doing, Matt? Hello. And uh, tell us, uh, paint us a picture. You had, uh, first of all, the, uh, the rain... Uh, must be very, very welcomed uh, around where you guys are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With uh, all that heat um, during the week, it's kind of uh, killed our veggie patch out the back. So, oh, did it? Um, yeah, it's uh, some of the leaves out there and uh, the herbs are a bit burnt, so uh, the rain is uh, good for them at the moment. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see a little bit of bounce back happening. And uh, uh, first of all, have you got a lot of uh, reservations uh, for the restaurant this Sunday? No, we sure do. We've got a full house. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> and, and have they arrived yet? Are they here? Well, we've got we've got uh, four tables in at the moment. Oh, uh, we've okay. got a VIP guest about to arrive as well uh, with Restaurant Australia. So, um, yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking. Yeah, I, you know, apparently there's a lot of people that are uh, a little bit nerve wracked because the San Pellegrino people are in the country at the moment. Oh, that makes me nervous. Yeah, look out! I know. I'm, you, ne- I'm you, you never know, Jose. You could be elevated. Uh, uh, I'm getting oh. shivers. Don't do that to okay, me. Okay. Hey, sorry. Sorry. Now, tell us, um, what's good, um, what have you been seeing that uh, you'd like to uh, have a free kick and talk about ingredient-wise for the seasons? Well, at the moment, we've got a salmon special going with some nice uh, local asparagus. Yeah. And uh, the asparagus at the moment is just so fresh that you don't even have to cook it. And it's so uh, young as well. So um, it's, it's coming in right now, and it's uh, flowing pretty quick. So Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, looking good we've got tomatoes coming in and we've got our beautiful zucchini flowers as well oh now okay this is um this is something that i i love I, I, because they're they're so delicate they're colorful and they make such a wonderful container for things what do you I'm, I'm presuming that you stuff them well no not really no you batter nah, them and fry them quickly yeah we're going the um last year i, I did them raw Ooh. Um, so it kind of went away from the, the typical uh, deep frying method. Yes. Um, and I did a sweet corn dressing last year, but this year I'm going back to the traditional uh, tempura flour, um, butter, nice and crispy. Yeah, what do you serve that with? To well, we've it? got uh, Mount Zero uh, Farrow at the moment with uh, olive tapenade and uh, zucchini remoulade. So tell it's us, a nice little bit Tell of us care. for people that might not know what, a, what farro is. Um, farro is, is a grain. Mm. So it's uh, nice and small, kind of a bit larger than uh, uh, some rice. So oh. it's kind of pulverous. So it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's nice, nice texture in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, oh, that sounds kind of good. <laughs> that does sound kind of good. Have you been using stone fruit yet? Um, we've got white peaches at the moment. Yeah, uh, but at the moment we're still waiting a bit more until it uh, we get a, a good price on stone fruit till it comes in. So yeah, still, um, so there's still that premium for. 
yeah. Well, it's pretty much a premium for fruit from far away. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. is. So uh, once uh, the market settles, um, we'll be... Uh, white peach all the way so yeah because yeah, like i've been seeing and you know i'm not saying that we should use them but um you could, there's the darwin figs the really really early figs are coming in they're like about 50 bucks a kilo or yeah, something ridiculous crazy. like that i've got a guy his name's doug he does the best figs that i've ever seen the size of your palm your hand they're that big wow yeah they're yeah. delicious. You oh. can't go past them. But we're getting the, the cart before the horse at the moment. Um, one thing that I would say to people to maybe consider buying, if you are at a market today, buy the cherries because I reckon with all this rain, yeah. um, the cherries are going to start splitting on the trees and Definitely. and the price will go up. So I would say maybe for the next couple of weeks, you might even have cherries off the menu for a, for a while. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to affect it a bit. So yeah. uh, the price will go up, but uh, hopefully it'll settle. And, oh, yeah. Uh, We'll get an influx. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll get the, the next um, sort of flush of the um, of the things going on. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's a tricky period now when it's uh, hot and then uh, cold and then raining and then storming. So it's, uh, yeah, it's difficult. But, you know, once we get consistent weather, it'll be flowing. Consistent? Did you say once we get consistent weather? <laughs> <laughs> We're in Melbourne. Sorry, I forgot. We don't get consistent weather. <laughs> there, there, there's a hope. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And um, so, what if, if we were when we talk to John at the Queen Victoria market? I usually sort of finish it up by saying, "Mate, what's your pick of the market at the moment?" And uh, for some reason, he usually talks about cauliflowers, but uh, he's got some sort of fixation on those. Uh, <laughs> really, his friend probably owns a cauliflower farm. Maybe that's it. But yeah. uh, what? Uh, tell us about the things that you. One would certainly be get asparagus because it is just a magnificent thing, great for us yeah. and easy to use, and definitely. The tomatoes that are coming in, you're going to have to get onto those, especially the heirloom tomatoes. Yeah. Heirloom tomatoes uh, and the strawberries and the berries. I mean, oh, strawberries. Yeah, I had some strawberries and they yeah. were amazing. Yeah, we had uh, we had our man uh, drop by some strawberries from Wondon. Yes. And they were just beautiful. Even the second grade strawberries were amazing. What's your What's your favourite thing to do with strawberries? Other than, I know, just uh, the joy, the greatest joy is just to eat them from yeah. a punnet when they're beautiful, but... If you were going to intervene with them, have you got a, like a favey thing to do? I do. I like to compress the strawberries. So in their own juices. So we buy first grade strawberries and second grade strawberries. Mm. And we make uh, juice from the seconds by steeping them in some sugar and uh, leaving them over some heat. Yeah. And then we get that juice mm. and then we compress the first grade strawberries. Is there a way that mere mortals in, in domestic kitchens can compress strawberries without having them explode in their faces? Yeah. Uh, look, you do need a cryovac machine for that. Uh. But uh, yeah, I guess you can um, you can just steep them in a bowl and wrap them with cling film, and um, the the strawberries will take on those juice. And, okay, what about this? What do you reckon? A really heavy duty. Sandwich bag, Ziploc sandwich bag. Can can we use that? You could, but uh, I guess you won't get uh, all the air out of that bag. Uh. What you want to do is just suck in that those juices by sucking out that air. Uh, I can have a go. You could have a try. Have a go. Yeah, definitely. Give it a crack. Yeah, nice. Uh, one if a crazy thing that I've seen with strawberries, which I still think if they're really sweet and good, um, a, a tiny bit of balsamic vinegar and pepper on them is... Um, a bit of an extraordinary thing, and let it just uh, macerate for yeah. twenty minutes or so. That that kind of works. Yeah, definitely. If you reduce that uh, balsamic a little bit, yeah, and just drizzle it over, yeah, it'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that sounds kind of nice. How many orders are up on the board now? Uh, any orders up, boys? Five in at the moment. Can we can we get a cheerio from the guys just to say good day? Just just to <laughs> can we get some noise in the background? Please? Just say good day. <laughs> Yeah, they're a bit shy. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah, the matter with them? They're more shy than I am. You, you, you need to have a morning grapple. They're more nervous than I am. Yeah, gee, the poor loves. Well, Jose, it's great to talk to you. Um, you're up at uh, Oak Ridge, um, well, on the Marinda Highway, and uh, a great place to come and eat. Definitely. You're still doing the uh, uh, three courses for about 60, 60 bucks or something? Yeah, definitely. It's good value. I think it is. Yeah, yeah it I is. really do. So th- I think it's, it's worth um, telling the people, and a beautiful contemporary space to uh, enjoy food. Definitely. It's a great great open space, nice big windows, beautiful yep. wines to look at. Have you got yeah. air conditioning in your kitchen? No, I don't, actually. Yeah, okay. We've got nice fans. Oh, that's well, that's it. good. I just yeah, <laughs> we open the back door just to let some cold air in sometimes. Oh, okay. Well, I hope your veggie patch um, uh, bounces back. Say hi to everyone um, and 
We'll see you soon, buddy, and Cheers. good luck with that VIP. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks for that, guys. See you, Jose. Chat soon. Bye. Jose Chavez up there at the Yarra Valley. In a very busy-sounding kitchen. Uh, it's getting there. Yeah. It's nice that he talked to us. Though, isn't yes. It? Yeah. <laughs> exactly when you don't want to have a, have a long-format interview on the He's phone. Like, what? You want to talk about my mother? What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 12.23 here on tree, uh, 3 Triple RFM 3D printing. Yeah. What's going on with that then, eh? eh? What's that then? We'll find out. Triple R is the place that you are, you highly evolved radio kind of person. 12.27 it is. And uh, we've got the Giblinator in. Brad Giblin, <laughs> welcome to Three uh, Triple R. Lovely for you to come in. Thanks, Cam. Uh, it wasn't far for you to come, thank goodness. No, because the traffic was heavy from Southside. But uh, hey, who cares? <laughs> but uh, your mastermind subject for today, um, because well, maybe describe what you do and uh, just give uh, the listeners an idea of uh, who you are and I guess why you're here to talk about three D printing. Yeah, sure. Food especially. So I guess my bag is technology. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing that since kind of as, as long as I can remember. It's a big bag that keeps getting bigger and keeps that's, giving so much. That's the thing. It <laughs> yeah. used, to, you know, used to be little computers and that was kind of the extent of it. And now yeah. we're branching out into food and everything else. Yes, it um, it's it's everywhere and it affects us in so many ways. Yep. And I don't think there ha- – well, it's been said many times that I don't think there's been a generation where so much change has happened so quickly. <coughs> With regards to technology, yeah, or this generation yeah. in particular, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. I mean the the size of things is really apparent. Mm. The speed of things is just it's getting crazy. Yeah, so. like I was at a party last night and I was talking about someone about uh, there was a book by Irving Wallace called The Book of Lists, <coughs> and I was trying I was trying to remember something and I yep. was talking to someone and I said. Yeah, that was before the internet. And this was the <laughs> book that we had that had all these lists that you could look up of, you know, but now we've got the that. Things, yeah. And we are looking at something that for me, and we were talking about this before, is an absolute paradigm shift that is about to take, well, is taking place now in manufacture where we had a centralized system for yep. ever and it's changing. Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen 3D printers around for a number of years now. They were kind of, you know, they were hype for a long time, but in the last couple of years, they're all of a sudden consumer grade, which is really cool. So you can build, uh, it's generally still kind of single ingredient things, but you pick your, yes. your ingredient per se, your, uh, your material, which is a your plastic. soup almost. Yeah. yeah. And then you, you pump that through this kind of nozzle and you can build 3D print, um, Anything from, you know, tiny little miniature figures through to houses. So we have an X-axis, we have a Y-axis, and we have the Z-axis, which uh, allows us to go into the 3D realm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and as you say, I mean, these things are becoming so, well, not ubiquitous, but um, more commonplace now that you can even go to a place like Docklands Library. Yep. A fabulous building. Um, And also part of a community for Docklands, which is an interesting concept in itself but um there is a 3d printer there and you can actually do familiarizations with that and start to get to terms with the technology but we are specifically talking about that nozzle Mm. going in the x y and z axis with some sort of an in uh, and some sort of edible ingredient in it yeah so so this has really only happened recently Mm. appropriating this kind of 3d printing technology but instead of using the plastic or whatever your you know old building material was yes you're piping food through it stuff yeah exactly. Uh, and and having in some cases kind of multiple ingredients that would then form uh, whatever you wanted to build have you got any examples of the type of foodstuffs that we put through these nozzles well, I think that the intention is that that's going to be pretty much everything. So at the moment, uh, the, the food 3D printers that we're seeing are using kind of one ingredient so far. And in, up until now, that's going to be mono, sugar. It's a mono extrusion if we wanted to yeah, use a but pseudo-scientific also, term. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you know, just like focus in on sugar and do things with sugar, which is, yeah. which is you know, great because kind of sugar is an interesting building block, but it doesn't make great food. Yes. Um, so we're not yet at the, uh, what I call the Jean-Luc Picard moment where he goes, <laughs> what am I going to say, Matt? I was wondering, just replicate yourself up a steak. No, no, it was, <laughs> it, it was usually tea, Earl Grey. All right. And then it would happen. Yeah, but, so, but that's more replicated. But um, uh, so we're looking at sugar being extruded. So yeah. um, the first really obvious applications for it was um, people who made cakes. 
and wanted to, you know, decorate that. Yeah, and I suppose absolutely. that first started off in the 2D world, X and Y axis. Yeah, I mean, you've been able to actually just straight up print, you know, the 2D kind of whatever you want and put Template, it on Template, yeah, yeah, that, yeah that Homer Simpson on a cake or whatever. You yeah, want, yeah, but now getting out into 3D, sugar and, and decoration was kind of the start of that. Mm. But very soon, and in fact in the coming months, there are, there are a number of uh, printers in the works yes. that will have multiple ingredients. And they will also have these kind of uh, pods, so kind of think of like a coffee machine or a coffee pod. Uh-oh. Um, without, Sorry. Without <laughs> too many downsides, but let's just go with the, the okay, pod work idea. With me, work with me. <laughs> the pod idea, you pack your own pod full of ah. whatever ingredient you want. Okay. So, you know, you could print things, you go flour, water, butter, whatever you want to make. Oh, good. So it's not going to be George Clooney leering at us from a 3D <laughs> printer. That's good. We okay. hope not. We no, hope not. Yes, yeah, good. But then again, you know, this could be... This could rapidly evolve to the thermomix of uh, of kitchens, where all of a sudden you've got your 3D printer, you've got your six pods, and then you say, oh, "I want a risotto." So, you know, it spits in all the all the bits and pieces you need. Who knows? <sighs> yeah, still a little way off, but that's I guess that's where they're they're going. So this it's funny you mentioned sci-fi before because this yes. is backed by NASA. This is NASA is a big investor into this because what are the, what do they see the benefits of this? Well, they would love to have astronauts not have the same, you know bad meal every day if they can find yeah. the six building blocks that they need to produce a variety of meals yes you can just pack this little 3d printer on the spaceship and bam you've got you know a lifetime of uh, of diverse meals mm. so there so, are, so long investors. as the so long as the, the the supply held out in the thing i, I suppose yeah. what you want to do is to be able to somehow synthesize those supplies while you are on the journey true true that that would be the goal wouldn't it Yes, and I'm not sure whether you can print uh, food out of comets just yet, but yeah, yes. I'm, I'm sure that's a that's a different investment. And, and do shade matter for these sort of things because it certainly did for our poor little dishwasher size. Yeah. I always like to think of him as Wally in space. <laughs> it's Wally, um, but um, I've seen some interesting things like um, these impossible sort of shapes and i'm pointing to one of them which is just this incredible compound shape yep. you can do day of the dead skulls um sebastian rayborn bartender to the stars are you listening um there was one thing that looked kind of cool which was um something that you could put into a glass a what, how do we describe that it's a lovely geometric yeah it's a shape. it's a I'm not even sure what that is. I mean, it's basically potentially an ice cube made out of sugar that fills an entire glass or fills a, you know, uh, creates a structure within the glass. Maybe, maybe they're using that for absinthe. I'm not 100% sure, but mm. it certainly does open up some very interesting presentation yeah, uh, things at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is, this is still first generation stuff. What we're thinking, what we're looking at with this sugar stuff is obviously not, you know, particularly <laughs> edible or, you know, huge value to us. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's a stepping stone uh, oh, absolutely. of what could be an amazing journey. Absolutely. And I really, I love the idea behind the, the food 3D printers just because it, it changes entirely what we think of as a recipe. Like we know that a recipe is replicated by people, mm. but everyone kind of has their own take and obviously skill and all these various other factors like yes. ingredients go into changing what that recipe means, you know, within Melbourne as opposed to in France. Yes. But there is a, a possibility that under this kind of 3D printing environment, what's going to happen is that a recipe will be a, a perfect blueprint, essentially. Soft is software. Well, it's, I mean, it's not even software. It's just a, I guess, well, maybe it is software. I don't know, but it's, it is a 100% because it's the inter replicable. It's, it's, it's telling, it's interpreting what the hardware should do. So therefore it is in a way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's still a, it's still a recipe in the sense that it's a, you know, a list of, you know, the things that it needs to do. Yes. Um, uh, the software is, is ultimately going to drive, you know, that implementation of what that recipe is. But, mm. uh, you know, there's nothing stopping you or I, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and, you know, deciding what goes into that recipe or, you know, maybe the nozzle, you know, goes on a different angle and that makes, you know, a fantastic croissant as opposed to a horrible one. Who knows? Oh, that'll, well, yeah, <laughs> see, that's that's a whole different ballgame trying to create a croissant because a croissant oh, is... Of course. Oh, it's a different thing. It's not something you can just drip out. Anyway, yeah, but it's... It's a brave new world that we are about to look at. I would love yep. to have this glass that has this thing that looks like a... Um, what does it remind me of? It reminds me of a lattice, like a, the shape of a, a molecule of something, shall we say. 
Yeah, I don't know. It could be like a diamond or something, the way diamond sort of looks. Um, But, yeah, absinthe in between there. Um, Cake stands and things you can build and cake making, I suppose, is something that's an obvious uh, application for this. And the thing is that it's just the very beginning and it's only... It's only as limited as our imagination, which with humanity, Absolutely. that's one thing that we can be uh, we can be comfortable with that we, we can actually <laughs> we're kind of pretty good. Yeah, I mean the first versions of these will be very limited. Mm. They will be small, you know, maybe one kind of ingredient. You'll be producing quite small things, dishes, mm. etc. Yes, um, but what you'll have is essentially, um, you know kind of something that might need to be cooked after that. And eventually, we're, we're going to get to the stage where these things are, are fairly cheap, like 3D printers at the moment are you know, getting down to a couple hundred bucks mm. and potentially cook at the same time. So the nozzle would be heated, yes. which gives you some really interesting fine-grained control over temperature and, uh, and protein structures and all kinds of wonderful things. Yeah, right. Um, now, there was a, another application that was kind of interesting, was uh, by adding um, <clears throat> a gelling agent. A gel to say purees or something like that. Yep. You can make uh, more interesting looking food for people that are infirm, that, um, that oh, yeah. they have problem with uh, mastication, yeah. i.e. chewing food. Yep. Um, so, you know, that could be kind of liberating for people that are just used to just uh, because they're unwell and they maybe just have to just suck things through a straw that yeah. they can be given um, stuff that looks more appetizing and more tasty and more varied, I suppose. Well, it's this kind is, of good. It's kind of on the path of uh, molecular ga- gastronomy in that sense. You can Correct. produce things that have the same ingredients that have the same taste but don't necessarily follow um, the, you know, the, uh, I guess, the textures or whatever else that we need to do in a traditional process to get those flavors together. Yeah. So, you know, it could be, um, you know, any kind of flavor, but uh, any kind of texture. Those those mm. two things could essentially be kind of decoupled within this world, mm. which would be. Really if you're bizarre. interested in it, uh, look up 3D printers food, and um, that'll start you off on um, discovering what's going on. Maybe I've got an interesting thing from Business Insider Australia that has a, a whole bunch of articles um, about that. It might be a good place to start. Matt's going, yeah, man, I anticipate what you are going to say, didn't you? Well, I was just going to say, we'll tweet the link. There we go. <laughs> um, Brad, it's been lovely to have you on to talk about uh, these technology issues. We'd love to see you again to uh, maybe bring us up to date with what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, Great to be here. Absolute pleasure. So uh, thank you very, very much for that. 3 Triple RFM, 1239. We've got Michael Bakash, who's uh, waiting in the green room, and he's going to be coming in and talking about uh, himself. And fish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Michael Bakash, it's been a while. Been a long, long, long time. Been a long, lonely, 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 lonely. How are you? I'm good. Did you get caught in the traffic today? No. Uh, I'm on this side of town. I'm in queue. Ah, so you're sort of coming from down Coolsville. Uh, you're trying to lead me into <laughs> saying something that I shouldn't say, I know. No, I would, I'd never try to put words in your mouth, Michael. I'm not in the kitchen. I don't, I don't swear. <laughs> don't so don't try me and get that. me to say Don't anything. give me. Really? Yeah, absolutely. What's happening? You've become a monk. Uh, Is it the Buddhism? Yeah, no. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Have you mellowed? Uh, apparently, apparently not. I could tell you some yeah, I was stories, say, but I won't. Yeah, God, I, my favorite stories: you chasing fishmongers down the road, throwing flathead at them. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> yes. All right, so let's um, cut to the chase. We've just been talking about three um, D printing. Um, fascinating sort of stuff but um you're i'm taking you to the other is it the paradigm the other side of well, the there uh, is, and, and there always is because you know i was talking to someone about this at a party last night and they're going yeah with well, 3d printing you're good but what about just the whole thing of maybe the paradigm shift should be that we all just grow vegetables in our backyard and have closed systems you know combining aquaculture with um you know growing stuff and you have a closed permaculture system that stops you having to go and shop under the fluorescent lights, for instance. Uh, I mean, I think with all of these things, sooner or later, the public demand, I mean, it's like, it's like the economy system. Mm. Demand will fill supply or supply will fill demand, and I think sooner or later 
And I think there's a move to it in food already that people are going back to looking for stuff that actually feels nice in your mouth. Yes. And tastes nice. Yes. And good food. Yes. Shall overcome evil. Oh, love it. Nice work, dude. Yeah, like, um, for instance, you know, the tomato for, for years, the thing that got, um, and I've said this many, many times before, the thing that got tomato growers excited was the fact that you could pick up a tomato, hold it above your head, let go, drop it, and it doesn't break. Mm. doesn't have any flavour. No. It's got, it's got no aroma, yeah. but it looks good on a shelf, you know, and there's a, you know, there's a great example of that. Absolutely. What about fish? There's uh, moves afoot to reduce or tell us what's going on with the bay. Um, we first of all thought it was the Liberals that were doing it, mm-hmm. promising that if they got in, they would ban commercial fishing in Port Phillip Bay. That's a vote win. And, yeah, okay, now, yeah. and now the Labor Party has decided that if they get in, they will ban commercial fishing in Port Phillip Bay. Right. Um, and it just seems to everybody in the industry to be something that they have sprung on us um, with very little time to react before the state election. Yeah. Um, And I'm not a very political person, so whatever I say, you sort of have to take politically with a grain of salt. But to to me, Port Phillip Bay is an incredible source of fantastic food. Yes. Um, Because we... Can I just... Just very quickly, we had the scallop ban for a while. Was that a good idea to do years ago? Well, the scallop ban is still in place. Yeah, Um, because that was the method. That was like just this strip mining, the the dredges that they would... They would open Port Phillip Bay and 500 boats would just descend on Port Phillip Bay and they'd go back and forward like whatever. They'd take take everything out of it Mm. uh, and then they wouldn't have time to process it quickly enough so it would start getting processed when it was already going off. Uh. They'd freeze it down and then they'd sell it overseas here, whatever. Um, okay, and, so uh, now we're, we're operating on a different level. That's still in well, place. Well, you don't, you don't dredge com- in Port Phillip Bay for scallop. All right, so that's, that's not happening. But from what you were saying before this, uh, when, we, when we spoke, was the fact that um, there had been surveys done and the commercial catch was deemed as sustainable. Is that correct? Uh, uh, now, uh, there's a whole lot of different political bodies, so yeah, yeah. I've got to make sure, and, and if I get some of these wrong, don't Comment, crucify Don't, don't crucify just, just me. go easy, all right? The Australian Trolls Conservation... not apply. Okay. The Australian Conservation Foundation apparently the has ACF. stated yeah. that the current levels of commercial and recreational fishing in Port Phillip Bay is sustainable. Okay, ACF. So they've... Okay, right. We, we, we all like the ACF, don't we? I mean, cool. they've, they've been put out there. Everybody sort I of think. acknowledges them. Greenpeace says that the ACF are pretty cool. They know mm-hmm. what they're talking about. Okay. They don't go and open their mouths about stuff that they don't know about. Yeah. So there's this highly accredited organisation that says mm-hmm. that in the current format, the, the way that the, at the current situation levels, levels yeah. both commercial and recreational fishing is sustainable. Okay, tick. So... So All of what's, us, what's going on? We, 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 politicians. Politicians, um, fishing groups, yeah. people. But one of the arguments is that people are going to come to, uh, is that people come to Melbourne to fish in Port Phillip Bay. Who? Uh, 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 find me I, haven't, s- I haven't met anyone. Oh, exactly. Find me somebody. People <laughs> leave Melbourne to go fishing. They don't come to Melbourne to go fishing. No. The people that fish in Port Phillip Bay are people who fish there because it's convenient. They can go to they can go fishing in Port Phillip Bay after work or or whatever. Yeah. Um, So the argument that that argument is just crazy. And the thing that concerns me about what they are going to do is you can you can go down to the wholesale market or the Melbourne Seafood Centre or any morning, and if they've been out catching calamari the night before or fish the night before, it can still be alive at the market. Yep. Now you take Port Phillip Bay fishing off the table, that will never happen again. Fish will be caught in places where it then has to go to a co-op. Enough like, of it has to be caught. So the, I'm, I'm thinking lakes entrance. 
something like is, that. Is, is probably our biggest um, one that's near our city. Would that be correct? It, yeah, that's, that that's, would be correct. And, Portland, funnel, and Portland the other way. On the other side, yeah. But, but the thing about this is that someone doesn't go out and catch 30 kilo of calamari and they hire a truck and send it to Melbourne. They wait until there's a commercial quantity of fish oh, yeah. to come to Melbourne. So what people don't realise is that it's not just the vicinity it's it is, the proximity. It's the it's the proximity. It's I wasn't going to use that word, but I no. like. Thank you, you for like throwing that, that you in. You can have that. The, the whole economies of scale of getting the product to the market means that we are going to lose. And I've said we are going to lose the top twenty five percent of quality of seafood in Melbourne. And I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be. And this is to, very important to someone like you because this is what you have. Hey, this is what you've made your reputation on, correct? Well, it's important to me, but that's a very selfish attitude. Okay. All right, forget that. Forget let's my just, cash let's for a while. just say that if you like eating fish in Melbourne, all of a sudden, the quality of fish that you're going to be able to eat is going to be seventy percent of what it used to be, mm-hmm. just because of this rule. Mm. So, and the thing is, is that you know, beef is farmed close to transport it's killed in perfect conditions we hope it's then it's that we hope yeah it's then it's then aged in perfect conditions mm-hmm. all this normally happens where transport systems are already set up yes so i mean the whole getting of the protein of meat or poultry and, and, and to, to market it's farmed in areas where there's already transport to the market sorted out wild fishing Mm. is not like that. We go out and we collect and then we bring back and we've got to get rid of it straight away. And when I say get rid of it, it, the moment it's caught, it's fantastic, and then it just starts going downhill slowly, quickly, depending on how it's handled. Inexorably, yes. But, but, But it's fantastic when it's caught and then everything that we do to it after that kind of diminishes Diminishes its quality whereas with beef it's a completely different thing and I think that people still haven't quite come to grips with the fact that because you can't dry age a whiting can you (laughs) (laughs) he could have the guy before me could have he would have dried it and powdered it and put it in a pod and then three printed it onto the plate yeah, yeah. And that would have been beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, yet to be seen. And, uh, you know, this is incredible early days yeah. um, of this thing. But uh, so, yeah, so to reiterate your point, so there's this political imperative that seems to have come out of nowhere that doesn't seem to be justified that is saying that we're going to ban this uh, for and for what advantage? I'm not quite sure. who Who's supposed to win from this? Um uh, rec- the rec- recreational anglers have, will have a greater catch. Is uh, it? They'll go out and catch nine flathead instead of eight, maybe. Who knows? But, right. but we're not quite sure who's going to win out of this. Um, but what we would like to say f- f- from the fishing industry is concerned is that let's let's promise to look at it. Yeah. But let's just keep our eyes open to the fact that maybe banning it is not the right thing to do. And I think everybody that I've spoken to, we all would say that we don't want to harm Port Phillip Bay. And if we are harming Port Phillip Bay, tell us and we'll leave, and, and then we'll stop it or then we'll change the way we're doing it because these people that are fishermen in Port Phillip Bay... That they don't want to just fish this year and the year after. They and want to, they, they, they want to fish forever, they, and they want people to fish forever because it's it's culturally to them it's what life's about. So, so this should be about stewardship and being custodians rather than being just outright banned and denied. That that's exactly that right. But there is no evidence to say that the way they fish in Port Phillip Bay any longer. Any is, longer. is bad. It used to be, yes, but it is no longer bad. Things have changed a lot, haven't they? Well, they 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 are like good wine growers and good farmers. And the other thing is, is that when commercial fishing was banned in areas of Western Port Bay, mm. the black market um, of of fish from Port Phillip Bay, especially um, abalone, went went through the roof. Oh, did it ever, so yeah. what actually happens is that the fishermen are like they're out there every day and they're looking after their environment. Yeah, they're there. 
Abalone was a great example of that, wasn't it? Yeah, and if you take the fishermen out of the bay, then all of a sudden there's nobody looking after it because I promise you we're not going to see Inspector Plot on his jet ski driving around Port Phillip Bay. No, because there won't be money for that. There won't be money for that. There won't be money for enforcement. There'll just be this blanket... Yeah, okay. Anyway, okay, well, let's move on from there. I think we've thrashed that out as much as we can. Okay. Uh, Fish. Julie Andrews. Yeah, God bless her. <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought I'd throw that. I want you to do the. Uh, these are a few of my favourite things. Okay. Uh, what favourite favourite fishes at the moment? What, what are you really enjoying cooking and eating and well, we have, talking about? We have reloved scallops again because uh, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend put me onto a scallop Jeez, processor. That's going down a long way. Friend of a friend of a friend. Okay, yeah, I'm just seeing so, them all. So yeah. now, so now, Monday mornings, I go, I drive down to a bloke who actually gets the scallops and shucks them and sells them to me before anything else is done to them. And, I, and I've forgotten wow. how beautiful a scallop is. Wow. But the season's just approaching its end. Yeah. So oh, we get really? there and they're still flapping around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so scallops are amazing. What's the best way to prepare a scallop? Well, we, down, at the, down at the processes, we just cut them out of the shell and eat them raw. I mean, you can do a beautiful carpaccio of scallop. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, all you do is grill them on the side. Gr- grill them. You put a little bit of lemon butter, maybe some sage. I mean, there's so much you can sage. do. Sage, yeah, a bit of sage. Sage and, and scallop go well. Never yeah. had that before. Brown butter. That rocks, is it? Yeah, it's beautiful. The, the one thing that I learned about scallops was that um, my mother used to be the the butcher of scallops, shall we say, <laughs> because um, she would cook them mercilessly um, until they were like small golf balls. Mm-hmm. Awful. Mm. Awful, awful. And then one day I learned that if you cook it for like about 30 seconds and really, really high heat, mm-hmm. they are amazing. Mm. They're amazing. But, but when you tell people to cook a scallop on heat, high heat, you've got to remind them to cook it on high heat to seal the outside, but you don't leave it on for so long that it actually cooks the inside. No, 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 no. You're 30 seconds each side, that, them, take right. it off, then, then dress it. Because high heat is the enemy of seafood. Indeed it is. People don't realise that. Be gentle with your protein. That's right. So when you, uh, when you fry a fish, you don't do... Um, with a scallop, you can do surface of the sun type heat for 30 seconds here. Yeah. But with um, a, a beautiful fillet of, say, something expensive, um, a King George Whiting, for instance. Seal it on either side and just let it warm through. By the time it gets to the table, if it's just coloured on either side and it's raw in the middle, by the time it gets to the table, it's gone the rest of the way. Mm. And, and I mean, I've—I I mean, I keep trying to work out ways of teaching people in my kitchen what I'm trying to do, but to, I don't to helpfully them, persuade them as you do in the kitchen yeah, with your guiding hand. With my guiding hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and what I try to tell them is that we don't cook fish; we warm it, and it will cook itself. Oh. Okay. Like that? That's good. Yeah, that's something uh, good for people to take away with them. So once it's warm, it will cook itself. But if you try and cook it, you, I mean, you don't want to put a piece of fish into a 200-degree oven and let the piece of fish get to 200 degrees. As we used to. As uh, we because used to. I used to see that so much in the days where you'd, um, you'd brown it on both sides, chuck it in the oven that was set for beef or burn, yep. and then you used to see this... Um, and and the way that people would say they've successfully cooked the fish, would you would see these sort of things of fat coming off the say a trevallion, it sort yeah. of splits a little bit. Yeah, yeah, as and the protein, out. the white protein. Yeah, and then, and that stuff, and that's you've you've destroyed it, haven't yeah. you? I mean, I I'd keep, we've got whiteboard markers for calling away tables, and I often do little theory things for the staff and i draw a line and i say this is the starting point this yeah, is yeah. The end of go back to the microphone in. michael yeah yeah and then i do at the end of the line i say this is where it's i use the f word then it's the, oh, because but somewhere it's, in between it's finished it's finished yeah but some it's not cooked 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 and that yeah. very line there is when it's actually cooked yes and after that that five second window is when it's cooked and after that all you're doing is wrecking it yeah, it's going downhill. Do, do you know what I mean? I so, do, exactly. And, 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 and what we try and do in the kitchen, once again, is I try and tell people that you try and judge your food your, your food so that it's all ready at the same time. You, that's what you do with fish. You don't put it all on at the same time like you do with meat and then rest it. No. With fish, if you want four different dishes to be ready at one o'clock. When, when start Michael's them at helpfully all, calling them away for you. Yeah, you start them at all different times yes, so that they're all ready at exactly the same time. It's a completely different thing to well, cooking meat. That's the art of cooking, isn't it? Well, that's the art of commercial cooking, isn't it? To have all that. It's multitasking, isn't it? It's in, writ large. It, it is multitasking. Yeah, writ large. Um, people can be put off by fish. First of all, 
the price of it is can be seen as exorbitant for some, and mm. probably still does for you dealing with the you know uh, your, your supplies. Uh, it's, get, it's getting worse and worse. Yeah, but you know what? We're still lucky. We can still get it. Yes, but but see, we've got to realise because there's a lot of places in the world where it's all gone. We've got we've got beautiful fish. It's just that it's getting expensive. Yeah. Whereas you know, well, the uh, Europe, for instance, the North Sea is almost like a desert. Mm. The the great cod, the, the banks of cod that used to populate, they're all gone. Uh, they're most of the fish that uh, Europeans eat now comes from Africa with these huge factory ships that come and. Strip mine the seas. That's right. Pretty much. And it's almost as if technologically we've declared war because a lot of the, the, uh, technologies that from the military industrial complex is being used to target fish. We just go and collect it. We don't go fishing anymore. We no. go and collect it. We, we've got depth, depth sounders. We've got water temperature things. We've mm. got fish finders. We've got, Satellite navigation. If you're a little fishy, you haven't got a hope, really. Do you? No, you don't. You don't. Mm. You don't have much hope. So, getting back to what we were talking about here, though, is that we hopefully we have uh, commercial fishers who are mindful of the next generation because they want their maybe their sons or their daughters to be the skippers of the boats, and so that there's there's a business for them to continue on with. But yeah, and the yeah? other the, yeah, and the other thing is is that they're standing in the water and their waders pulling their net in, and they see this little garfish or a whiting, and they pick it up carefully and they put it in the tub because they respect it mm. because it's a thing, a creature. Do you mm. know what I mean? And, but but the trawlers that go out and and rape the sea and that do so much damage to the environment, I mean, they're catching tonnes of fish. And mm. that fish is never going to find its way into my restaurant because it's just not good enough quality. Yeah. And I'm not saying – we don't jump up and down and saying that we're an environment, we're a green restaurant, that we serve um, sustainable fish. Yeah. It's just that the fish that we buy is not caught in such a way that endangers – the environment because it's caught in small quantities. Gotcha. Where is your restaurant again? It's in Domain Road, South Yarra. Uh, and it's a beautiful place. What's the name of it? It's called Bakash. Well, we might as well give you a plug saying you've come all the way in from from, from the far part of Q. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Michael Bakash. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, Ken. You're looking well. He's feisty, isn't he? Yeah. He's, 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 he's still got the feisty, Maddie. I had two coffees this morning. Oh, is that it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the family good? Yeah, the family's very good. Okay, well, We're thinking of putting Mrs. in front of the word Bakash at the front of the building because my wife's taken over front of house and she's doing an amazing job. Yeah. People are loving our restaurant because we've got somebody who absolutely loves it looking I after the I thought she was customers. always in the front of house. She's, she's started to do nights and she's got the waiters under her control now <laughs> and everything is just It's really, going like clockwork, oh, thank you. Well, it's not just – it's the, we're, she's put hospitality back into the dining room and people just love it. Okay. And, and that's what I think we've forgotten is that going out to restaurants about come into my home and enjoy yourself. Yeah, and being treated a little bit like royalty to make be felt special is yeah. what uh, I remember Ruth Reichel when interviewed her a while ago. She was uh, like a New York uh, critic. And, um, yeah, that's what she said. The, the, going to a restaurant offers us the opportunity to feel and be treated like royalty. That's and, right. And feel a little bit special. For me, it's not about food and wine. I didn't get into running a restaurant for that reason. My father was into hospitality, and I got into hospitality for the same reason, because I wanted to be hospitable. And that's what I, that's what I, I didn't get into it for food. And it's worked, it seems. Um, we need to move on because the Dirty Deeds team are coming up. I'm not sure what they're talking no. about today. Um, Diggis for the camera didn't tell us. But I'm doing something very exciting this week where I'm going to be talking to Massimo Batura, uh, maybe Italy's greatest chef. And mm -hmm. uh, at some stage there'll be an interview with him. I'm going to go to Movida and we're going to eat together and talk about life and food and being Italian. Yeah. Maybe. Talk about women? Oh, I guess we probably could. We oh. have a little subsection. <laughs> One o'clock here on 3RRFM. Matt's winding me up. We've got to go. Thanks for joining us. Michael, great to see you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. And uh, to all our guests today, I think I've enjoyed today's show. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, and you will enjoy the rest of the afternoon because you have Triple R. And it's Sunday. And uh, we have these institutional radio shows uh, coming to you. I'll go now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.